Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, TheDorkForest.com, DorkForest.com, and of course, uh, FamilyPetAncestry.com, because I thought it was funny. Anyway, you know the credits. Mike Rickberg composed the intro song to the Dork Forest. He sang it with his girlfriend, Sarah Cohen. He's good people. Now, he will sing again at the end, the Mexican hat dance, lyrics he made up himself. Uh, Patrick Brady fixes this audio. He does vital work, and uh, I thank him for it. And Vilmosh is the guy who does my website. So if you go to Hired Gun, Hired Gun? I think it's Hired Gun, and uh, it's in the notes. His website, he could do your website for you, is what I'm saying. So... It is November, and in November and December, I ask that you do not donate to the Dork Forest. You can donate any other month, or if you do donate, if you want to donate this month, and some people have, just don't forget that you should be donating to a food bank. And if you were thinking about donating to the Dork Forest, you can take that money and donate to a food bank. I'm okay with that. What you do is you go on the Internet, and you Google the name of your town, and then you Google the word with the name of your town, space, food bank, and then it comes up because there's a food bank in every town. And then you give them the $100 you were going to give me. Because I like the idea of everyone giving me $100 a year or $10 a month uh, or $8.33 a month if you're going to do it through November and December. But it's November. It's December. These are uh, some holiday times, and uh, it would be nice to have people have food. Anyway, if you want to support the Dork Forest, you can always – it's it's going to be the holiday season. You can get them a Dork Forest T-shirt. Go to the merch page on JackieCation.com and order – Yourself a Ranger T-shirt, a Dork Forest T-shirt, Ranger T-shirt by Salmon, Bemel Benrude, my nephew, Ranger T-shirt by Brett Chambers out of Portland, Oregon. Just saw him the other day. Uh, or you can use, uh, or you can get my new DVD. Uh, this will make an excellent Horcrux, also available in CD form, uh, also available online for about eight or nine dollars. But you can buy a hard copy if you like. I will sign it if you'd like me to. And you can get all that as presents. You can get it just to get it. And then if you, when you order from Amazon, and we all do, there's a banner on JackieCation.com, a white strip that says support the show by ordering from Amazon. If you just go through there, it's a portal to Amazon and you make your order, I get a, a percentage. I get a little kickback. So that is uh, harmless as well. Now, uh, there's an ad this month and it's going to play in a heartbeat and it's, it's Bob Calhoun's book and it's a good one. And other than that, I have shows because this is a bonus episode. I will tell you about the shows November 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th. On the 8th, I'm in Santa Barbara. More information on my Twitter feed, at Jackie Cation. You can always email me, by the way, Jackie at JackieCation.com. Uh, on the 9th, I'm in Magicopolis down in Los Angeles, where I'm doing a benefit for Jake Johansson's child's public school. Yeah, there's all kinds of problems with that, but I'm glad to help. So if you're in... You're down Santa Monica wise. Come to Magicopolis on November 9th and support that event. And the 10th, I'm uh, is a Monday. I'm doing the hot tub show with Kurt Braunahler and Kristen Scholl. And the 11th, I am doing a character, an HR lady for the Y2K Awareness Program. It's set in uh, 1999. So those are the programs. You can see my entire calendar on JackieCation.com. Let's get into it. Let's do the ad. And then let's get into the show. Thanks for listening. Shattering conventions, shattering conventions, shattering. 
Shattering. Hey, I sang. It's Jackie Cation. Shattering conventions, commerce, cosplay, and conflict on the expo floor by Bob Calhoun is this month's sponsor. It's a hilarious and disturbing book. Friend of the show, conventions dork Bob Calhoun has been on the show previous episode. He goes to all kinds of different conventions, trade shows and expos, and writes about it in Shattering Conventions. But he doesn't just go to Comic-Con and Star Trek conventions. He goes to a gun show, a livestock show, a Republican convention, a conspiracy convention. I remember being uh, slightly worried when he went to that one. And even a Bigfoot hunter con. There's all kinds of crazy and wrong in this book, and it's not always where you expect to find it. Not only have I read this book, I endorsed it with a blurb on the back cover, and I recommend it to all rangers of the dork forest and spooky reading girls within the sound of my voice. The book is Shattering Conventions, Commerce, Cosplay, and Conflict on the Expo Floor by Bob Calhoun. It's available in ebook and paperback from Amazon.com and other fine booksellers. Uh, for more on the book, go to ShatteringConventions.com. It's a really good book. You should get it. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I am in my living room, uh, and we're the proud uh, purveyors of dork foresting. So with me is uh, my uh, – I am a fan of Mr. Jared Logan, New York comedian, jaredlogan.com, at jaredlogan on Twitter, and um, some heavy breathing. Some he- I can hear you. I can is hear it you me? Breathe. Am I huffing? Yeah. You're huffing and puffing. My father always used to do that. You could always tell when he was in the room. He's like, <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> And you have a new CD out called My Brave Battle. Yes. Available on iTunes and probably if they go to JaredLogan.com, uh, yeah. they can find all They all can find everything. Amazon, it's on that. Do you have a podcast? I don't. I should. Yeah. Everybody else does. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. I, I, look for that. Uh, I think I can probably get it started up. Uh, no, nah, I think next week's probably. Oh, yeah. That's how easy it is, quite honestly. Takes, you could the, do. Yeah, <laughs> you actually could, right? <laughs> right, just tomorrow. Uh, all of a sudden, Libsyn will sell you uh, some 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 online cloud space or whatever. Who does yours? I'll do that person too. I'll uh, uh, Libsyn. I do Libsyn. Libsyn. Tw- okay, yep. yeah. twenty bucks a month, and uh, and they're very nice. They put it on iTunes for you. You just upload it. You put your little documentation down there. You, you can upload a photo. Uh, they will even make an app for you. I have an app that some people have purchased, and God bless them. Yeah, there's a small bonus thing that I do that my my husband and I talk. about. About the show for like two minutes. Yeah. He goes, How was the show? And I tell him, and then we comments on whatever the person's dorkdom was. And that's two minutes. And it used to be only available on the app, the APP, yeah. as uh, Maria Bamford's mom likes to call it. <laughs> uh, but it turns out uh, Libsyn has just started posting it. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, for free. Hey, you're like, hey, that's bonus content. Right. Well, bonus, here's, here's the bonus thing. You gotta go to tdf.libson.com and scroll down to the bottom and it says, here's the episode for download. Here's the bonus for download. Okay. So you can do that. If you don't have the app, knock yourselves out, Americans, Rangers, yeah. Rangers of the Dork Forest. Everybody can get it. Everybody. That's good. That's for Dork Forest dorks. That, right, 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 right. Extra Dork Forest dorks. Yeah. yeah super fun. Jared Logan, yes. I'm an admirer of your work. I love your work, Jackie. Thank you for saying that. Uh, it's thank you. really uh, super fun. If you get a chance to see Jared Logan doing the stand-up comedy, talking out of his joke hole, do it. Do it. Uh, but here's what we're going to talk about today. Yes. Renaissance history, medieval re- history. Renaissance and medieval history. I love what it. What came first? Uh, in, in, in it, chronological yes, order, yes. Midi- the medieval, uh, the, the medieval era age. came first. The Dark Ages Although they and really then the are, Renaissance. They really are the same, really. You know, yeah. when the, with the Renaissance is just like kind of a movement that happened inside of, you know, the, the Middle Dark Ages. ages sure. And then before you knew it, 
We had the modern era, is what they call it. <laughs> oh, they call they? the sixteen, you know, late fifteen hundreds, sixteen hundreds, modern. If you can oh, believe interesting. that, interesting. Somebody's yeah. really old to yeah. think that that's just the like. Oh no, I was a kid back in the fifteen hundreds. And then we were modern. That's when it happened. That's and it's what... January first, sixteen hundred. <laughs> right. Remember what happened in fifteen ninety nine? Right. That, that was Spanish the... Armada. What was that? Ah, uh, geez, that was fifteen eighty two. Was it? Oh, uh, okay. now see, here's the thing. People are going to challenge my dorkdom and they're going to defeat me you're gonna win yeah but here's the thing great opportunity for a guy like todd mason to just shout at his ipod now that'll be great he's a ranger <laughs> yeah and he knows things that guy, yeah there's a lot of people out there a lot of rangers got a lot of info uh they, they were classic dorks of the ranger of the dork forest kind of yeah. genre much like all of us where we have just a lot of information that and now you're going to be put on the spot so what do you love about the Middle Ages? I really, really like the, the actual history of it. You know, I, I, like a lot of dorks, I grew up uh, reading, you know, fantasy, epic oh, fantasy. Oh, right, right. And still do and still love it. Um, but but uh, then you find the source material and uh, it's almost even more fun. I, I, I also, by the way, am a friend of fan of horror. Oh, and he, uh, and I like any kind of story that's very dark and kind of sad. I like sad <laughs> endings. And oh, really? The medieval era is full of just sad, sad. dark, supremely effed up stuff that happened <laughs> over just and one over. One sad sack story after another. About what about Roland? The Song of Roland. Yeah, that's that's I read good. A child's version of that when I was in junior high. Sobbed, sobbed. I tell you, the horn. Nobody came. Oh, gosh. The horn. Nobody fucking came. Yeah, and there's Rise a to the amazing occasion. homage to that in The Unwritten, if you've read The Unwritten the by Mike Carey. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is so they, they work that in. But, um, yeah, Song of Roland. Well, yeah, I'm also one of these people who always will buy, like, you, you said you read a children's version. Yes. I, I'll, like, buy, like, the Song of Roland at... <laughs> At right, Barnes and French. Noble. No, uh, no but translated. <laughs> translated. And then I'll be like, I'm reading the Song of Roland. Here I go. I'm going to read the Song of Roland. And then I'll read like, like, you know, a little Nine ways pages. into it. And I'll be like, I might not. I might not be reading this song of Roland. Uh, We're the same person. I tried to read Don Quixote, and it's a great book. It is genuinely, and that was, I believe, one of the very first uh, novels I was told. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it is 500 pages, and it is good. It is good. I read probably 90, 95 pages. You would have thought I would have been in. Uh, But it turns out... It's And it's funny, but it's funny like Gargantua and Pantagruel yes. funny, kind of mm-hmm. Balzac, and you're like, oh, this prose is far too well written for me to be able to finish this. It's a very different frame of mind than the, than the frame of mind that we have. When you talk about idiocracy, like the Mike Judge film and yeah. how in the future they all they can watch is like, whoops, I farted shows. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, you and I... I don't want to be that guy. I don't, I don't either. Wanna... And I don't think it makes us stupider, but it definitely means that our brains and how we... Taking information have changed. Right. I, right. I bought, uh, Sir Thomas Mallory's. Oh, yeah. Uh, gra- uh, the entire Arthur, the La Morte de Arthur. Oh, I bought two you? volumes of it. Yep. Um, it literally has no story. It's like, and then they went here, and then these people fought these people, and this person was killed, and this person escaped, and then they went here, and then this person was. So there's it, no, there's no exposition. It's all just facts. There's it's no, essentially it, it a, is like he a recall, liturgy. It is a liturgy. <laughs> yes, it is a liturgy. Liturgy. They just recorded what quote happened unquote to King Arthur. Right. Uh, right. Kind of cool, kind of cool to have. You know what's cool with books like that? Yeah. Maybe you can't read it front to back, 
But you crack it open, and there, you always find some kind of weird gem just there in the middle right, on the page. Right, a couple of paragraphs where you're like, yeah. I think, and I'm probably going to say it wrong, it's a Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, or Gawain, Sir yeah. Gawain and the Green Knight, however it's pronounced. And I am, I ended up powering through that. Granted, it is 110 pages. So it had that going for sure. it. Sure. And, uh, but I, I really wanted to read the original of that because it had been referred to so many times in my, in, 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 you know, when you read Tolkien or you oh, read, yeah. read, and I, and I, I have a stack of books that's ridiculous, right? We all have a stack of books. Sure. That and some of them are what I call smart books. And they're called that because when I was a child, my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law, my stepmother, uh, was a hairdresser and she said, Man, there's a new idiot working, uh, working at uh, work one day. She comes home. She's like, this woman is not, not smart. And I was reading and she was like, oh, you're reading a smart book. And it was like <laughs> the winds of war. I mean, it was not, yeah. it was like John Jakes. Yeah. It wasn't a, it was a historical fiction. Yeah. Book. And she's like, oh, you read those smart books. And I was like, so when I thought about, we would make fun of it for years. And what made me laugh about it was I was like, cause there are smart books. There's mm-hmm. books, books that like, if you look over there, this is, these are my books I have on display. Yeah. These are the books like, like Ovid's. Uh, metamorphoses. Yeah. And, you know, these, these, these are, these are the decent books. But that's another one. Crack it open and you'll find something in the middle that's just mind blowing. Right. Read it cover to cover. You're amazing. Right. Like, and, I'm, and I'm impressed. Let there be a class. You know, I mean, yeah. that, that's when I read Ovid or however one would pronounce it correctly, but I read it in class. Yeah. And that's when I, that's the one time I finished the Silmarillion was I had a class on it. Yeah. And, uh, so what, so medieval history, did you study it in school or do you just uh, read a lot of all. historical? You know, that's another thing that I, I, I missed that. I don't know where I was going to school. They just never really got into it. You maybe had like a chapter, like one Tuesday they talked about it <laughs> and then that was it. So I really, I really do study it on my own now. I, I, I read popular histories. I don't read, you know, um, scholarly articles. Yeah. But I find that the popular histories are fantastic. Right now I'm reading, uh, Thomas Asperger's the First Crusade. Okay. Which is about the First Crusade. Okay. And I'm about to And it's a nonfiction, popular it's all just nonfiction. A, and it's uh, a history. Popular in that it's readable, right? You okay. know, I mean I would say that's the only the that's only the way to go. uh compromise <laughs> it makes, and it is uh a harrowing tale. Of the first crusade. Of the first crusade and how it came about and how why it, it came about? about. Why did it come yeah, about? Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like that's the what he he opens by going why would they do this? Why would all these people who had lived in Europe, who had never been a hundred miles away from home, right. why would they go, you know what? We're going to walk. We're going to walk because they didn't <laughs> ride the whole way. 3,000 miles. To Jerusalem. To Jerusalem and kill a bunch of people we've never met, never had any. There was no – people try to say that – you know, he makes the case that people now try to say that there was tension between Islam and Christianity back then. There was not. In fact, over where uh, the Muslims lived, Christians and Jews were allowed to live in total relative peace with them, um, like in the same cities right. all the side time. Side by side. What it was is the Pope, he was like uh, – he was mad because he didn't have any power anymore. The Pope had, had that the office of Pope had what been more powerful. We're in the we're in 1095, I Ish. think, when he calls it. Okay. No, when he calls the crusade. It's okay. 1095. Pope calls it. Pope yeah. says. Right. Yes, he and he did this because which pope? Any idea? This was Urban. Okay. Uh, I think Urban the Third. I have okay. to. Yeah, I have to look at my book. And 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 the guy before him was a guy named Pope Greg Gregory, who yeah. was like. 
screw this, the Pope is awesome, I'm going to have my own army, everybody has to do what I say, I rule Europe. Okay. Because I'm the Pope, and I tell you what God says, and God is the boss. Right. And everybody was like, uh, not so much, Gregory, you can't okay. boss us around, you're no longer, they just decided he wasn't Pope anymore. Oh, God. And so his uh, eventual successor, this guy Urban, was like, crap, I want to be super powerful and rule the world like Cobra <laughs> Commander as well, but... But Gregory was a dummy. He did right. it in a real dumb, dumb, like obvious, like boneheaded way. Right. How can I do this like real slick to where people oh, so Urban, submit to my rule? The Karl Rove of popes. Totally. Totally. Wow. Yeah. The power behind the power. So he's like, okay, they're not going to let me have my own pope army. Right. So <laughs> I'll just tell them that if they, they all to- go and attack these Islamic people, then they're all of their sins are forgiven and wow and so uh, he didn't really understand what a, a can of uh whoop worms ass. he was opening yeah. and whoop ass yeah wow holy uh-huh. crap yeah, yeah yeah and so he said all right we're we're starting a crusade a la a jihad per se one might totally also. and it's- i don't think he didn't that, like the book makes the case that he didn't really know how many people would go right. like he how thought it might be went? like hundred a couple right. hundred oh god i i, I don't want to get my number Thousands? wrong but i think it was sixty thousand. <laughs> oh shit and he was like what about oh god okay yeah and did he have to arm them or did he have to do no, anything no, no. They, so that's the other thing is like these guys were so ready to go because if you were a noble in like medieval uh england your job was to sit around and practice with your sword all day and you had all this expensive <laughs> stuff that everybody made you buy like you're like got to have armor and you're like why i'm sitting on my ass right. like what do i do with all this stuff so they started fighting each other a lot in europe okay. and that became kind of an endemic oh, problem well that was a f- safe way to do it and in fact that didn't come along till someone had a bright idea later like in the 1300s oh we're going to bleed off all of this energy by having tournaments right yeah okay. a little bit we'll we'll kind of bleed off some of this energy uh but even like in in the you know uh the the 11th century here like they're they're sports right yeah. like but they they just kill each other in the sports you in, know that in right in the sport they're just like oh we'll actually be dying yeah there's like i read this book called a world lit only by fire um which is fantastic. You gotta get it. I yeah. believe the author is, uh, William Manchester. Okay. Anyway, he talks about there were like these sporting events where, you know, 28 people would just be slaughtered in like the middle of the match. Wow. And everybody was like, that was a fun. That was really fun. Did you that, see how that one guy died? That happened. Good festival, everybody. High five. Good festival. That's the worst con ever. Yeah, I'm not going. Comic-Con. I'm not signing on. Right. So, okay, so the Pope doesn't pay for this. Yeah. He just says, all right, well, you guys you guys are already armed. Uh-huh. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to point you in the direction of what I want you to do. Right, and he made the case that the the Byzantines were having problems with Islam, which they were a little bit. The Byzantines... Uh, you know, or they're, they're the empire of Byzantium, Constantinople, right. mm-hmm. and they are Christian, but mm-hmm. they have some ideological differences with the Western or Latin Christians, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like hanging out over there in Constantinople. They have very little in common with all these guys that are going on the crusade, but when they hear they're coming, they're like, the, the emperor, Alexius, is like, Oh, I can use these guys. <laughs> well, I get a free army. I yeah, get a free army do that. of Christians to kill these Persians that I don't like. Yeah, and again, Islam wasn't giving them that much of a hard time. Like they had taken over a bunch of territory from the Byzantines. 
I think oh, the Armenians. Like years yeah. and years ago. I think the, um, if I remember my Armenian history, yeah. which I have a little bit access to somewhere, somebody told me something, is that, um, there was, there were, there were, there was some, you know, like, there's always going to be fanatics. Yeah. So there were fanatical Islam who were like telling the Armenians that they had to be Muslim. Yes. And then the Armenians who were Christian, but really, I don't know if you know any Armenians. Uh, we're really the mellowest of all Christians. We're just like, no, we just want to sit together and have coffee and play backgammon. Yeah. Is that something? And, well, and let crusaders into cities because that's let, what they did when the crusaders got yeah. there. Oh, I bet. That, yeah. well, that's the whole thing is that we're just like, all right, well, if you're going to take care of this guy who's bossing us around, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, we yeah. will sell you swords and food and it'll be fine. That's exactly what happened. These guys – Got to these, like, yeah, these Middle Eastern cities, and the Armenians who were Christians were always like, here, psst, over here. <laughs> Come in this way. Did you need a towel? Yeah. Hey, let me sell you this towel and this pan for gold. And, and uh, we, guys, we made breakfast for you. The Muslims are over there. So right. do, do what you will with that information. Yeah, we're Christians. I know we look just like them, but you, it's over there. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I, I, I vaguely remember. That. That's so crazy that the Pope called it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and it's so weird how all of these guys, a lot of them, uh, went Colonel Kurtz when they got there. They just went completely like, <laughs> and now I am my own nation. Is, you know, is like, that Apocalypse Now or is Apocalypse, that? Apocalypse okay. Well, no, I'm no, talking uh, about John the original Conrad? novel, John Conrad. Yes. <laughs> Did the uh, Heart of Darkness? Heart of Darkness. <laughs> Another sad sack book that Jared Logan really enjoys. I love that book. <laughs> the horror. That the horror. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so a lot of guys went over there. I forget the one guy's name, but there was a, like a young guy who was like, screw your expedition. I'm going off on my own. And he just went south and just into Africa. No, no. I mean, it, you know, they, the, the, the main crusader army to get to Jerusalem had to take this big roundabout route. And then uh, like another Germany? expedition went, no, no, uh, this is after they've gotten like to the Levant or whatever. Okay. Like, um, so yeah, so they had to go around all these mountains and then this one guy's like, no, I'm going right through. I think the, the name of the area is called Cecilia or Cecilia, something like that. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but, uh, and yeah, he like just, Sicily? uh, no, not Sicily. Okay. They'd already gotten to the middle East. They'd okay, already so crossed they, they over into Northern, Turkey. They, they were, were in oh, Turkey. They were in Turkey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, he just was, he just broke off from everybody else and, Tried to start up his own nation all by himself without Who's the Pope guy? backing him up. He was a young guy, something of Boulogne, I think, Robert of Boulogne or okay, something like some that. Okay, some French dude? Yeah, some, some French dude. All right. Yeah. And how did that work out for him? Uh, not so good. I mean, <laughs> at first, well, first he took out his buddy who went with him. Him and this other army went. Okay. And then his his, his buddy took over a city, and then he was like, I've got more people, and I'll, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. So he immediately turned on his own comrade. Weird. And, and it was like, get get out of the city. The city's mine. And his comrade was like, okay, dude, and like took off. And then he took over that city. And then, I mean, I'm still, I'm in the middle of the book, so I'm still reading his story. But he 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 really gets in bed with all of these people who who want him to overthrow their leaders. And you know what happens when when that kind of thing happens a, a lot of blood time. Bath. A bloodbath. So, so is that like what you love about that way? Right. Are you so so you've read. Uh, a world lit only by fire. Uh-huh. And this first crusade book is what you're reading now. Right now, and yeah. And those are all both Middle Ages. Those are no a world lit only by fire is a great book. It's a, it's it's the Middle Ages and how it became the Renaissance, right? How did how, it become the Renaissance? Well, yeah. Uh yeah. well, 
you know, another book that I read that really helps illustrate this too is The Swerve. Have you heard of The Swerve? No. The Swerve is by uh, Stephen Greenblatt. Okay. And uh, basically it's about – um. Does he have anything to do with our with our current uh, deficit? Anyway, that's, uh, that's Greenspan. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. go. So no, Greenblatt. Mr. Greenblatt, yeah. The Swerve. So, you know, there were all these guys like – um. In, in Europe when it was the dark ages. Yeah. And they kind of worked for the Pope. They were like secretaries. They knew how to write, right? Okay. They knew how to speak Latin very well. Okay. It's scribes. 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 Yes. And they sort of had like this kind of like catty, like, you know, sort of jealous of each other culture. Oh. Sometimes a comedian culture might be similar. <laughs> in fact, one of the main guys in the book, The Swerve, wrote a one of his main works was a a book of dirty jokes about the Vatican and the papacy. Oh, that's hilarious. I I kid you not. So these guys would like the pope they, walks into a bar. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, how many whores does the pope whatever. Uh <laughs> right. pardon my French. So he, he these guys would like they would like if they needed money or they were really desperate, they would go and search for scrolls that hadn't been seen in a long time. Okay. And in fact, this one guy in the book, uh, really the main guy they follow, he, his pope gets deposed because this is always happening. I just okay. told you about a, a pope yeah. hu- uh, hundreds of years earlier who had been deposed. Right. Well, his pope got deposed, and so he had no job. All of a sudden, he's without a job. And, he, and no all, sponsor. No sponsor. New and you pope had to have like- a sponsor right. if you were just going to be a guy that's like, I can write on paper, and everybody else is like, we lift cattle and kill. <laughs> What do you, you know? Right. What am I going to do with that? Yeah. So he would go and he would travel, uh, and he, he would, uh, very dangerous to travel at the time. And he would go way, he went way up into Germany and found these monasteries where that nobody had visited from the outside in like 500 years. What? Like they had been established during like the Gothic Wars during the fall of the Roman Empire. Okay. These Christian so monasteries. Yeah. And in these monasteries, one of the things that the monks had to do was just copy scrolls all day. They were not supposed to read and understand the scrolls, Jackie. Why not? That was a sin. What? They were supposed to just keep copying things as like kind of a penance. And there's a lot of evidence that some of these guys got kind of depressed. Oh, right, because they weren't allowed to read them? I mean, that was the sin. It started out like they would read and understand and they would would even add to them. And then over time, it stopped being that. It started being like reading and having a bunch of ideas and discussions in here is not allowed. Somebody got super bossy. Someone got bossy. Yeah. It happened in a lot of them. So this guy would show up. He'd have to talk his way in. He's not a monk. Right. Right. He'd have to be really persuasive. Super charming. Yeah. To charm his way into a bunch of monks that haven't really talked to anyone non-German in 500 years. Oh, yeah. And they don't want to. And and you're an outsider. And they're going to let you read their stuff? Yeah. They're going to get stuff off the shelf that's been just sitting there for like hundreds of years for you. And he did it? Oh, he did it. And he found a lot of, like, finds. Like, and here's what's so crazy. Like, his thing wasn't like, so he found, um, he found, uh, On the Nature of Things by Lucretius. Okay. Okay. On the Nature of Things is this, uh, this, uh, epic poem by Lucretius that is, like, totally humanist, totally pro-science. And in fact, it's an epic poem that's just filled with scientific theories. So wow. it's got like, uh, it's got like, here's what atoms are. Like, it's like wow. kind of where our idea of atoms comes from. 
And he did what? not care about the guy that found it didn't yeah. care about any of that. <laughs> he just was like, was I found a rare one with great Latin. Like he was like a Latin fan. Oh, okay. He's he was a like Latin a Latin dork. dork. Yes. <laughs> And so he, he got it, he got it out of the library. He made a bunch of copies. Right. He headed back to Europe and he, he, he knew all these other Latin dorks. Right. And he was like, check it out. Check, look what I found. And at, he made his fortune off of that. He made his fortune. Off and, of On the Nature of Things, the poem. Yeah. And, and, and other finds. That he, and, and other and finds like that. He would be more excited about stuff that we've totally forgotten about because it's like, Terrible, and there's like better examples of it, but it had immaculate Latin. Right, it was just nailed it, yes. nailed the Latin. Look at the callig- calligraphy on this. Oh, one. right, very pretty, very very pretty. But even though he didn't care about the content, Other- when people kept reading it, the content eventually slowly started seeping into people's heads. Right, and, to, and they don't even have an example in history, a document where someone was like. I have decided there are atoms and that, you know, God doesn't decide everything, that there are laws of science. You know, uh, there's nothing like that. All you see is like, like a couple hundred years later, 70 years later, like there's different monasteries and churches that are like, anybody talking about atoms is in big trouble. (laughs) So you just see people trying to silence it, you know? Right. Right. Uh, I was, I was told, and granted, I was told this by an Umberto Echo book, uh, Name of the Rose. Uh, the only one I've finished. It's very sad. I want to read that one really badly. It's I've really never read good. It. Uh, Andy's read almost all of Umberto Echo because oh, he yeah. loves that guy. But it's super dense. It's like Ian Banks. I don't know if you've read Yeah, I've science read fiction. Ian Banks. Yeah. Super dense. And I've read two Ian Banks books, but yeah. they're, 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 it's a commitment because they're very well thought out and they're incredibly often very dense and but they're wonderful they're wonderful books i do love them and um did you ever read a uh wait before i i forget but uh sure. in the name of the rose there was some talk of aristotle yeah that that was a big reveal sure that, that was the big like people were like oh you can't read aristotle that's heresy yeah and and cuz aristotle cuz aristotle was talking about scientific theory as well i guess yeah. and um and it was in a monastery i bet you it was that monk who found it that yeah. monk could be like, I need, uh, I need a couple of bucks. I'm going to go look for something rare. I'm and- going to go find some nice Latin. You <laughs> know what's a really cool idea I read? What? Is that, um, like Plato, you talk about Aristotle, yeah. talk about Plato for a second. Have you ever read The Republic? Yeah. And how the Republic is like, we will breed generations of men who we will teach them athletics. <laughs> and then the ones that are good at that, we will, you know, the best of those, we will we teach breed. letters. And yeah. the best of those, we will teach, you know, and then right. that, that will be the, philosopher kings who rule us yeah well i read this book called uh the story of philosophy um and in it they make the case that that's what the middle ages ended up being is plato's the republic really like when he talks about his philosopher kings yeah that's the clergy like oh right yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, they and, were kind of and, weren't they yeah and in the republic they also talk about how we're going to make up a religion that will keep the uh, peasants in line and then our philosopher kings will write it and tweak it when they need to and that's sort of what the wow. Vatican what book was that? It's the story of philosophy. What's the guy's name? Will something. Nice it's a great book. But it really you really go, oh crap. Like so so the ideas that Plato had all the way back then kind of slowly became like this the, like social urban planning kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, and it's so weird that when he had the ideas, they were like dynamic and like rebellious but by the time the middle ages came they were like this horrible status quo like the oppressors were using those ideas yeah 
And why? I suppose wouldn't they? Did sure. you ever read a canticle for Leibowitz? I have not read a canticle for Leibowitz. It is. Um, it's essentially. I mean, the tale is essentially how history repeats itself. Yeah. And it's about. It starts with the bomb, right? The end of the world, and um, Leibowitz is like the guy who invents the button. And uh, so the the world. There's nukes. Nukes go off. The peasantry. You know, regular people are like, well, clearly it's the scientists' fault. We're going to kill all scientists. And then they're <laughs> sure. like, now we're going to kill anyone who can read. And then so they kill everyone who can read. And then a couple of people who can read hide like monks and copy stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're copying like grocery lists. Sure. Bullshit. They're like, we don't know what we're copying. Us magazine. Yeah. Right. Until 500 years later, you know, and then they and, and it's just it's essentially it. the story. I forget who wrote a canticle for Leibowitz offhand. It's an easy one. A lot of people have read it. Yeah. Uh, look, Google it. You can do it. Rangers, you got it. Uh, but it's it's incredibly linear. And, and I mean, it's just it's a it's a snake eating itself because you're just like, oh, and it nothing. And I read it when I was probably 20. Yeah. Which of course is when your mind is blown by any. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a, I mean, I, I, it's on every list I look up of science fiction. Pretty easy read. I've got to get it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not bad. It's, uh, uh, yeah. It's, uh, and I, the other one I read was Illusions, which, uh, isn't any science. It's all hippie skippy. It's, it's the guy who wrote Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy blew my mind too. I kind of like the, that generation of writers though, like Peter S. Beagle, The Last Unicorn, man. That's on the stack of crap that I, I I literally have the stack. I'm like, I gotta finish the Lord Dunsany book. I gotta finish the, the unicorn book. But I also have the Red Shirts book. The Rangers have a book club. Yeah. Uh, and so that's on Goodreads. Uh, so go on Goodreads. I'm gonna go on there. For Ranger of the Dark Forest, uh, book club. The first book they read was, uh, Ernie Klein's, um, Ready Player One. Oh, was it. I love that book. It? That was a I great book. Super yeah. fun, right? Yeah. And so, and then they, and they just, they're just finishing red shirts and red shirts, super easy read. It's just essentially about being a red shirt. Yeah. Star Trek. I know Scalzi because I've read, uh, I read Old Man's War. Oh, was that great? Oh, it's dope. All right. It's so good. <laughs> All right then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So what, uh, so the swerve is essentially talking about how the, What's the swerve mean? The swerve. Why do they call it? Well, in in, in the poem, there's a Greek word meaning swerve that kind of discusses how, uh, how the world works, kind of like, you know, we're all just atoms swerving into each other, bouncing off of each other, you know. And then also, you know, a big swerve happened when the poem was rediscovered, right? Right. It caused uh, society to swerve. Right. Okay. Um, And then, yeah, the, 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 uh, the Manchester book, The World Lit Only by Fire, you know, that's all about how Things started slowly changing too. You know, it gets a lot into the Reformation, which was a huge part of it. You know, right? So what we're talking Middle Ages is right. I I don't have any of the dates. I can I can kind of give you kind of a broad, yeah. And people might um, disagree with me because everybody argues about this. Um, you know, the Roman Empire fell. Uh, what it's like fifth century, right? Okay. And then uh, it was a very slow, protracted fall. Yes. And then that's our six hundreds, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then. And then you, but you still have the, the Eastern Roman Empire. You still have Constantinople for, until 1453, right? And they almost say that the Middle Ages are kind
kind of that period between when the Roman Empire fell and between and and Constantinople fell. Okay. 1453 the Ottoman Turks take over Constantinople. Right. And they say that that's kind of the kind of like the end of the Middle Ages and then the Renaissance really starts in earnest at that point. But that's arbitrary. People have their own, you know, right. I'm, I'm labels, sure that, you know. Right. I'm sure that everybody has very specific dates and very specific because there's during the during the European Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, there was a renaissance in Northern Europe, right? Yeah. The Library of Alexandria and and do you ever read? Uh, let's. I can only speak in historical fiction. Allow me. Uh, have you ever read a Louis L'Amour book called The Walking Drum? I haven't. Uh, the Walking Drum is a it's a very coming of age kind of story. It's very sweet. Yeah. Uh, and it's a lot of you know a lot of fighting about a, a a kid from like the 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 British Isles who his father is a is a trader. Um, he, he has a ship and he, he sails around the world and his father goes missing. And, uh, one of the neighbors is like, well, now I own his land cause you're 15. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 no. I, uh, uh, look over there. And he runs yeah. and, uh, and he's like, I'm going to go find my dad. And, uh, if I don't find my dad, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I guess I'll eventually come back and kill that guy. Yeah. But so the walking drum is how he goes around the world and it's in that age. That's, that's really cool. And it's Northern Europe. I, I only know Lamore from, from Western stuff. Yeah. The Northern that's Africa cool. stuff is amazing, quite honestly. Yeah. Because while we were, you know, and there's some talk of Louis Lamar going, you know, while you are, you know, living in a pigsty, uh, there's a dude over in, uh, Casablanca who, you know, has perfume and yeah. is bathing and is healthy. Uh, Islam's inventing like algebra, algebra you know, and, while we're just banging swords <laughs> right, in right. the Western world. Right. We're killing 28 guys at a, at a festival yeah. and they're like, oh, those 28 guys might have been, oh, geniuses. No, you don't care? Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to head back to Morocco. I'll be right back. Life Never. was so cheap, but yeah. not, yeah, but not, not in some of those civilized parts of the world. Yeah. Right. It was super civilized in Northern Africa, but the, but it is fascinating because you think about, like the only other things I've read, you know, about the Middle Ages are all science fiction, you know, like uh, the Doomsday Book. Connie, yeah. Connie Willis. I have it. I haven't read it yet. It's, uh, super dark. Yeah, oh, about, then I'll love it then. You will love it. And there's yeah. another called Eiffelheim. Uh, Eiffelheim. Eiffelheim. I like the sound of it. It's about a German, it's about a, 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 a German town. It's, it's bookended by the future, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, um, in the future, like 2300s or whatever, there's a physicist and a middle age, uh, a, a, a professor of the middle ages, uh, who are a couple a man and woman and she's a physicist and she has some theory about warp theory and he has some theory about this weird town in Germany in Eiffelheim during the middle ages where the black death came, the plague came uh, and nobody ever settled there again. And he's like, why everyone else in Germany was settled? Why did that never? And he has a theory that there were these strangers that came and he doesn't know what the hell it is. And so the entire middle of the book, which is the best part of the book uh-huh. is Shows us what happened in 1412 during the Black... I don't know when the Black Death was. It would have been been in the 1300s. 1300s, okay. And it was essentially... It's about the Reformation. It's about um, the Black Plague. It's about tolerance. And it's about um, an alien ship crash lands... And there's a couple of uh, aliens that have to get integrated and ble- and baptized if wow. they want to stay. That's got everything. That's it got has, time travel. It has everything. Knights, Science. swords, uh-huh. aliens. That sounds awesome. It's yeah. pretty great. It's pretty great. There's not a lot of fighting in it, but um, yeah. And I'm pro. I'm pro fighting in a book, but uh, in this, sure. it's, it's just. But it's fat. It's really, really good. And it's also, 
it's also kind of weirdly sad because everyone's sick. Oh and- yeah, I read uh, a, a nonfiction called "In the Wake of the Plague." Yeah, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. So sad. <laughs> what it's was just it? that everyone died, and they were like writing about it, and they were so sad. And so, because <laughs> it was, it was just, it was a, was it a virus? Was it Ebola? Was it um, Ebola? It, it was spread by rats. It was right. actually spread by fleas that are on rats. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I know. Yeah, that's by the way about about the plague. Yeah, they go really. Where did deep it in. start? What how what year was that? Gosh, it's been a while since I read that one. Uh, I just remember it, it. It it came it came from the east. A lot of people think the Mongol uh, invaders kind of brought it over a little bit. Oh, because they're Kong. doing their thing in around like twelve forty. You know, right? And they're coming far into Europe, and they're bringing they're bringing stuff we hadn't seen, or the Westerners hadn't yeah. seen. Uh, so, so, but uh, specifically it goes into like people pulling into like ports and it just starts, oh, you know, like, yeah, ships. Yeah. Someone got sick. It's like smallpox in, in the United States when yeah. they came to America and the Native Americans had no defense against it. So yeah. And they thought it was else. the apocalypse too, because yeah. they were very, very Christian and they had their apocalypse lore and look, sure. it happened. Look, it's it happening. Happened. 92%, how many, I mean, like literally like entire towns were wiped out, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's a fantastic, uh, fiction book. Have you ever heard of, uh, we're just naming books. That, that's I it. hope that's okay. That is perfect, actually. Uh, it's, it, actually people are just going, I have enough books, but please yeah. tell me about these books that I should be reading one <laughs> but day. I never get to talk about this. Right, exactly. So it's the best. Yeah. My girlfriend, uh, who's not as much into this stuff sits impatiently. <laughs> Enjoys listening to me talk about it, and there then almost nobody else. Um, and you—that is why, you and do. that is why you love her. That's right, because she's there for you. That's right. Um, the book is called "The Years of Rice and Salt." It's by Kim Stanley Robinson, who wrote wow. the excellent Red Mars, Green Mars, Blue Mars oh, right. sci-fi series. He read. A, he wrote a book. I thought this is uh, this was in my top five books I've ever read. Basically, it says, what if instead of wiping out most of Europe, the Black Plague wiped out all of Europe? And then it's an alternate history. What if Islam and China just kept moving, owned the world? And what would that world look like? So you've got like Chinese explorers in in the Incas fighting the Incas in Peru. You've got like, yeah, you've got like. Uh, the women's movement in Islam-controlled Paris, you know, area, wow. like in the seventies. You yeah, know, yeah. it goes through the entire um history up until modern day. And another thing that's really wild about it is that the way it does this is like each each section is like a different time period, right? Because he wants to keep hopping forward, oh, right. but it's the same quote characters unquote because they right. keep going back to the bardo and being reincarnated until okay. they can learn their lesson. You know. That- is awesome. It's very cool and it the made years me cry. Of rice and salt. It made me cry. Okay. It's very it's very moving, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of how how justice and freedom are the same no matter who you are, what, what your yeah. skin color is, what your what your creed or your religion is. Right. Justice, freedom, uh, you know, the Humanity ability to love exactly. who you want to love, all of that is the same always 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 always. Right. It's not so, always going to be a blonde guy with blue hair. Yeah. Well, that's backwards. Um, it sounds it sounds trite the way I say it, the way Kim Stanley Robinson says it, it's a profound uh meditation. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's uh that is great. I'm pro that. Yeah. That's, um, 
I Nick, you know, you never. You, you, I read a lot of great sci-fi. I read a lot of great fiction and nonfiction, but like, I like something that gets a message that profound. That's rare. I think that that's rare. And it's one of the things that fiction can do that nonfiction feels like it can't. It can't quite, right? I mean, it's supposed to be journalistic. It's supposed to be, uh, you know, objective. You have to come to the conclusion on your on your own, and for whatever reason, a lot of times you won't. It won't affect you emotionally, you know, right. the way a fictional story would. Yeah, right. But the the yeah. in the wake of the plague, in the that's wake just of the plague. a horrible story, and you're like, yeah, I am emotionally y- devastated. There is emotion in that book because um, you're getting the accounts of the people. They're writing in the first person, like this uh, is what happened are to they us from letters and from letters different- and yeah, just the accounts. And of course, it's like scattered and you know spotty. But you know, he finds a lot of good sources that yeah. that really kind of make you go, oh. Now I get it. Now right, I get what happened. Right, because because like in Eiffelheim, the the what the guy is using as source material in this fiction book is essentially the the ledgers of the church. Yeah, and he's talking about the deaths of the different people, and the yeah. guy also has like a journal of some sort, which they may or may not have had. Right? Yeah. Because uh, paper being very expensive at the time. Yeah. And someone was my dad was telling me uh, about some book uh, that is also a, I think a doc, a small documentary like on PBS or something about the invention of uh, of the the press led to the invention of glasses. Oh, sure. Yeah. Why wouldn't it? You know, people got to read and you're like, I can't see that. And uh, (laughs) and so that led to the telescope, which led to, of course, gay marriage. Uh, The telescope (laughs) to gay marriage in seven moves by Jackie Cation. (laughs) Exactly. I play chess. Yeah. I don't play chess. Do you play chess? Uh, No. Well... Not well. I have. Not well. I have played chess. No. Not well at no. all. I don't know what I'm doing. I know how each of the pieces move. And yeah. if you know less than me, I might win. I'm more of a Magic the Gathering guy. Actually, more of a Hearthstone guy, if you know Hearthstone. Oh, you going Hearth or is it spelled Hearth? It's spelled Hearth. Yeah, it's, it's an online version of, oh, of Magic the Gathering. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, yeah. Guess what I just bought. What you right, got? We've weeded off briefly, but allow me to tell you that I, Chris Mancini of Comedy Film Nerds, who I just did a show with them, he told me you can buy the first six Final Fantasy Legend games. Yeah. First Final, six Final Fantasy games for the iPod, for for uh, for your iPhone or for the iPad, 70 bucks. For the first. And you just can play them on a plane? Yeah, you can play them on a plane. Yeah, I just, I was like, well, thank you for, uh, taking over my life, clearly. You've got I have some started epic the- adventures to engage in. Yeah, yeah, I started the first one today. I've already played it for an hour and a half. Hello and welcome November. That's awesome. Well, I know it. I'm pretty excited about it. Hey, and we're it. not off topic because it's all vaguely medieval. Right. There's swords. Yeah. There's all kinds of swords. Yeah. There's all, you know, I like that they, they do incorporate a lot of, people romanticize the Middle Ages so much. Yeah. But there's, you know, I, there's a bunch of romance novels that I read, I think in high school or, uh, that there's, there's like, did you ever read the, t- or he- you probably heard of it, The Time Traveler's Wife? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I never read it, uh, because on the back of The Time Traveler's Wife, there was a New York Times review that said, this is so unique, this premise. Someone, a love story where a guy travels through time and, yeah. and you're like, nope. Nope, there's walls and walls of that crap at the paperback oh, yeah. exchange in Minneapolis, Minnesota. There's an it's an entire genre, right? Diana Gabaldon. I don't, is that who wrote the Time Traveler's Wife? No, uh, oh. Diana Gabaldon is this huge series called Outlander. Oh right, that's and, that's yeah. the new series. Yeah, that everyone's like, you would love that. You love Scotland. You love romance novels. You love time travel. Yeah, and I was like, all right, I'll look at it. But here's my least favorite thing in 
done when it's done in prose and it's done for no other reason than to tell me that everyone has an accent uh-huh. is when they put a lot of uh, oh, apostrophes. apostrophes and smash. And I'm like, <laughs> just tell me what they're saying. Just tell me what they're saying. Just saying with a strong Irish brogue, with a strong Scottish wow, brogue. Dialect yeah. in prose, dialect in fiction is so hard to pull off. It's maddening. You got to use it sparingly, my friends. Yeah. It's like adverbitis. You really, you start sprinkling adverbs all over the place. I, I do it with commas because I don't know where commas go. Mm-hmm. I use them as breath marks. Sure. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I need to do that with my heavy breathing. <laughs> I know. You haven't been having heavy breathing since, I I think it was before you were allowed to speak. Oh, don't worry. It'll happen again. Oh, fair enough. Something to look forward to, people. Uh It's, uh, did she, I I don't have any chocolate. I I got you some gummy bugs and some gummy fangs. I don't, you know what? I'm going to try one right now, but I got to say, I'm a little worried. I'm I'm thinking of wax lips when I look at them and I don't want to bite into some wax lips. They're not wax lips. They're They're not like that at all, right? They're like like gummy bears, but, uh, we got, we, we give away, um, Pencils, which make us the worst people to give away things on <laughs> Halloween. But what we also... Why do you but, do pencils? Well, because uh, Andy likes the idea of a pencil and a skull eraser. It's kind of fun. That's but we, cool. He also... I mean, we get... He spends a fair amount of money on tiny toys. Yeah. And I was like, can we please give out some kind of candy? And so he... And he was like, can we give out gummy fangs and gummy bugs? And I was like, yeah. yeah those are, people will be psyched, right? <laughs> sure. So, children love us. And uh, we 110 kids, four babies. And, oh, there um, we go. There, there we go. go. Oh, yeah. I saw your tweet that you'd had 110 kids. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. We're See, very that's a blue fun color. Halloween. Yeah. In New York, you, nobody comes to your my second floor apartment, you know? Right. That's it. I mean, we're, you know, this is a very much a house ground It's a beautiful floor. little, little, uh, little neighborhood track house. here. Sure, it's adorable. All right, here we go. You can eat Gummy a fly. bug. I'm eating a fly. Gummy bug. Step, step away from the microphone so that one guy who hates the joy... <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> oh, it tastes good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's chewier than I thought, but it tastes good. I love it. Here's my uh, current stack of to read. Your book pile is a literal book pile. It's a pile of books. Um, Have you read The Last Unicorn by Peter I'm, Beagle? I've only seen the old cartoon that makes you feel kind of weird. Oh, really? There's a cartoon? There's if, a cartoon film. What I, I, what I should do is I should read uh, the Cliff Notes, and then I will be able to... Because I, sadly, am a big skimmer, and then a rereader. Yeah. I like to I like to get get to the meat. Let's find yeah, out what yeah. happens. What happens at the end of it? And then I reread it again, and I'm like, oh, that also happened. Rereading is so nice. I love reading. I, I never would ever do it, and then I finally started doing it like in the last couple of years where I would go, hey, man, I, I really could. What are your I, favorite rereads? You I got mean, a the, 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 the Lord of the Rings, you know. Oh, sure. So I just I just reread that, and I hadn't read it since I was in high school or something. I, I read it every year or so, though I haven't. That's not true anymore because I haven't read it in over a year. Yeah, so. yeah, you know, yeah, there's other stuff. You'll know when it's time again. and then, Oh, I um, will. Yeah, oh, Great Gatsby, I reread. I've okay. Re- I've read that a couple times. And, you know, uh. I, I read To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, I reread that a lot. Have you read that? Uh, no, I've never read To Kill, to Kill a, a Mockingbird. Mockingbird. First of all, pretty easy read. Assigned to kids in junior high. Sure. Uh, second of all, one of the greatest stories in the world. Very sweet, very sad, very smart, and it's just about 
a decent person. Yeah. Who uh, is in a town. Is in a trying, not decent society, right? Right. In a less than great society. Yeah. And you'll like it because uh, there's some tragedy. I'm going to check it out. You know, I thought about, you know, why I like the medieval and the renaissance stuff. Yeah. And it's because, um, and, and uh, this is right off what you're saying, which is that I grew up like in very religious, like country, like surroundings, you know? Where? Uh, in West Virginia. Oh yeah, that'll do it. I and mean, my grandfather was a farmer and a Pentecostal minister and a miner. Wow. He was a triple threat. Triple and, threat. Uh, and he... uh, clearly nothing pays really well. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I'm going to get a third job. So yeah, so it's just like, it's kind of like, um, when I read about how religious, uh, the people in Europe were in like 1197, right. I'm like, I get it. I get uh, it. You know? <laughs> I get it. This was sent to me by this great lady. We did a, we did a little bit of a trade and, um, it's Carabine. At badgg.com, C-A-R-A-B-E-A-N. And she is an art teacher and she sent me her three, uh, graphic novels, Mrs. Bean's art class, Ms. Bean's art class, sorry. And this is adorable actually. That's um, cool. Andy's read all three of them. I haven't, I've only read the art class one and it's great. It's oh, essentially. She's so good. Yeah, she's really good. And then she's a couple, you know, actually, you know, fully published but less. It's all black and white, but she's, they're really sweet and smart. Where is she out of? I think it's, uh, I sent her a, a DVD because she was like, I want to send you this. And I was like, do you? And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm glad she did. It was great. But, um, so I, I, I think I sent her like a book. I mean, I don't know what I sent her, a bo- bookmark, something. <laughs> I, I tried sure. to send something back because if, so, you know, somebody sends you something, you should at least send them a thank you card. And, um, so. Cringe in Anthology of Embarrassment is really cool. Uh, this cover just shows a guy walking to a classroom, and then an Anthology of Embarrassment is over where his exposed junk would be. <laughs> God, don't make no junk. But it looks really cool. It looks really hilarious. Right, right. And then, yeah. so, yeah, she wrote that. And then, of course, I don't know why this Wonder Woman is in there. Cause that why one, not? Because, well, it's because it's uh, the comic books. I never put them on my reading list. Yeah. Because they only take 20 minutes to read. I read some of this Azarello run. I didn't get to volume four of it, but uh, it was I good. Think, is this, I, this should be three because I'm done after. That's it, four. That's four. That's four. Oh, then I have to tell my pull list people to stop because yeah. I like the first three. I'm good. I, I, that happens with me in comics. I go off of comics for a long time sometimes. Oh, yeah? Just because I feel like I get a little bit of fatigue where I'm like, oh, this again. <laughs> and then in the second I start reacting that way, I'm like, well, I guess it's not fun anymore, so it's time to stop. And then you know what? I come back three years later, and I'm hardcore. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, I mean, I we have such a stack of comics right now that it's been really – but unwritten is amazing. Mm-hmm. Un, unwritten is one of my – and and – there was a lot, there was a bad patch where nothing was happening. Yeah. But we're back in it now. Yeah. Mike Carey's risen to the occasion again. Yeah. But there was probably six issues where you're like, what, 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 what's going on? Yeah. Mike, are you at a loss? He's got to go on hiatus for a minute. He's doing an epic, you know, yeah, those epics. He really is. Maybe he's building something he's going to knock down later and blow your mind. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure he's going to because he does always have an end. Like, did yeah. you read why the, was that why him? Why no, no, that's that was Brian Vaughn. Vaughn. I read Lucifer though. Did you read Lucifer? I did read Lucifer. Lucifer's one of the best. Dude, it is so epic. 
It's epic. Epic. And it's like destroying universes epic. Yeah, yeah, like amazing. My favorite way to describe Lucifer, I was like, it's essentially Lucifer is sick of God's ineffable plan. And so he leaves hell and he's like, I don't want to be part of it. And he gets out. And then about seven or eight issues in, uh, God goes, oh, the, you leaving? Uh, that was part of my ineffable plan. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I knew you were going to do that. It's essentially your little brother just wandering around going, no, I knew you were going to do that. No, I knew you were, or your big brother or whatever. And, and I was like, and so finally he has to go, I'm creating my own. I'm getting out of your universe. Yeah. Your universe blows. I'm sick of it. Even though you do a nice sunset. Because it's funny, right? It's yeah. also smart and oh, funny. Oh, yeah, very funny. Yeah, which is my favorite thing. If something's going to be super dark, I want it to be funny. Like Lock and Key. Did you read Joe Hill's? Excellent. Yeah, also oh, an excellent. Yeah. yeah and, and dark. And, 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 and when he creates the own, his own universe, that's, it's so good. It's and so beautiful. good. And how it, how it, how it evolves, like his world evolves and he doesn't all predict everything that would happen in his own world. It's like very cool. Oh, uh, this was a gift too. The wilder life. This was a woman gave this to me. She wrote this. Wendy McClure. Thoughtful, hilarious. I couldn't put it down. Gretchen Rubin, author of The Happiness Project, says. And The Wilder Life is my adventures in the lost world of Little House on the Prairie. I wanted to have her on the show because she loves Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. Enough, enough to have written this nonfiction yeah. book about Laura Just about Ingalls. being into Little House on the yeah. Prairie. She's from Chicago, uh, Wendy uh, McClure. And um, she has been to all – because it's in Wisconsin, all yeah. the, the uh, Wilder stuff, and I'm from Wisconsin. So she – I really want to read this. I just haven't been able to to get to it. There's That's so many cool. things I want to get to. Yeah, Wendy, I'll be in Chicago soon. Come say hi. That's it. Are you uh, in Chicago this month or? No, it'll be uh, end of uh, right after Christmas. Zanies or Zanies uh, Rosemont, 26th of uh, December. There you go. At Jared Logan, folks. At Jared See Logan. It. See yeah, it. get this it. This one Will Anderson gave me. Will Anderson, uh, Australian comic. And it is uh, a story of sexual scandals in the Australian uh, Football League. Oh, wow. See, yeah. See, the, I need to be re- reading more books like this. Books that are so far out of my normal comfort zone or interest <laughs> zone. Yeah. I bet, I bet it would inform... Everything, my comedy, every, <laughs> how I see the world. I bet I'd be like, oh, that's like the, the Australian footballer who, you know, <laughs> right, right. I think they would understand so many things. Like one thing about being a dork on something is that you know it's it's awesome, and you get all this deep level of knowledge on something. But then it's like, why not like just go, hey man, it's time to read Night Games, you know? Right, Night Games, which uh, which I haven't been able to start either. But that's by Anna Crean, K R I E N, Sex, Power, and Sport. You know how foreigners just refer to it as. Sport. sport. <laughs> no plurals. Do you go out for sport? Yeah. Do you go out for sport? I signed up for sport. Oh, uh, which sport? Uh, well, you know. The sp- what? The sport that we yeah, play. It's the sport that we play. Yeah. It's uh, very silly. So how, what, what do you think, what do you think you, what, what informs you about the Middle Ages? I mean, the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, it has to inform everything you do as well, right? Sure, sure. Well, you know, it's all about how, um, how people, I mean, improved themselves, you know, they stopped just believing what they were told eventually and, uh, right. and started becoming free thinkers, you know, and, uh, well, they were, uh, they were handed a weirdo task in the beginning of it all, that first crusade. Oh, sure. Yeah. Was the, was the dark ages before, were the middle ages before the first crusade? Um, they're kind of during, you know, yeah. some people uh, want to, put the dark ages like a little earlier than the middle ages some people think the dark ages is an offensive term oh are they, they were not actually dark like we said you know in, in oh. islamic world they were 
making uh, innovations, you know? Right. So, oh, right, right. They were only dark ages if you happened to live in Germany. I'll be honest, I love the idea of someone who gets offended by the use of the dark ages. <laughs> that is that is someone who I can hang out with. That is an academic <laughs> moment. That I is disagree, someone, but that, yes. That, that, yeah. is a, that, that is an academia kind of committee meeting that yeah. you can have with you and your other PhD students. And uh, uh, I don't give a shit. Hope it all works out for you. Let's make a policy. Let's make it university policy. <laughs> not to call it that in the department. Um, yes, yeah. So, so yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean like the real, the, the sweet spot for the dark ages or the middle ages is like, you know, 1100, okay. you know, yeah, yeah. like uh, 11, uh, 1200 right in there, you know, when, yeah, and I, that's love- when you're really talking about knights and castles and horses and, you know, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. And not a lot of, and, and more just outlandery kind of, you know, punching of each other and not a lot of reading. Right. Because by the time you get to like 1415, you've got like the Battle of Agincourt, you know yeah. what I mean? And like that's the where Magna they say things Carta? start changing. Magna Carta is in the 1200s. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's like right in the middle of the Middle Ages. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, the, uh, the Battle of Agincourt, like, that's where it stopped being all about having heavy armor and big swords and started being like all these peasant archers oh. win the battle. Right. You know, right. like. On foot. Yeah. Behind all the. Forget th- nobility. Forget years of training your entire life. Right. This guy's good with a bow and arrow. Right. He's got a know? stick and he's just gonna ping. And he's like, go blimey. I'm gonna put one through your eyes and make you poop, you know. Right. <laughs> Right. It, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it, it is a lot more, uh, egalitarian once you can kill somebody at a distance. Right. And there's catapults or trebuchets or whatever. And the weapon and, costs, you know, one eighth of what it costs to get the metal. armor and everything. Yeah. 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 It costs even less than that. It's like a cheap reproducible weapon. So, you know, by the time you get into 1400s, that's like one of the things that's starting to turn it into, uh, the Renaissance of the modern era. When was gunpowder brought to Europe? Any idea? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I think that they they actually had stuff in the 1300s and and maybe even a little bit in the 1200s. Okay. Uh, very, very simple cannon and stuff right. like that. Uh, and you don't get like a gun until right. you know the 1500s. 1500s. Yeah, and I think. I just... think. And this is. I, I'm not a historian or a historical professor, and right. I want to give that caveat, right. and I apologize for calling it the Dark Ages. <laughs> it's okay. Ross Thomas will write me uh, a long, uh, informative uh, tale of uh, of all the correct terms. Good, Won't you, good. Ross? Come on. I w- will you please forward it to me? Because I, I am sincerely interested in reading it. Yeah. No, no, I usually forward when I get when I get e- when I get email from people and people do send me stuff. I usually forward it to the guest. Yeah, just good. So, just so you can see it. Yeah. Oh, any kind of response? Are you kidding? <laughs> You're Someone like, cared about something I said. <laughs> Someone cared about my dorkdom. Yeah. Hi. Yes. Yeah, please. Yeah. It's a. I got a lot of talk from Diva Zappa's knitting episode. There was like, that's interesting that she doesn't care when she drops a stitch. I love the idea of that. <laughs> or, no, no, when she drops a stitch, she should undo it, undo, redo, undo, redo. And, wow. Yeah. Two different schools of thought on the whole dropping of the stitch. Diva Zappa. That's the way it was meant to be, man. Yeah. And this is so interesting. <laughs> like so, somebody can be like that into something, and then someone else can be like boring. You know. Right. Right. But the greatest thing about the Dork Forest is that there the is enthusiasm, no there is no boring. Everybody's yeah. just on board. That's anyway, right. Jared Logan, thank you so much for doing the show. Oh, it's been a blast. Yeah, it's over. That's, that's the weirdest thing about it. Oh, I'm I had sad. the typewriter episode. Uh, I just got an email from a guy who said, that guy could have talked about, uh, cause Jesse Case talked about typewriters for like 40 minutes and then only had 15 minutes to talk about World War II. And he's like, 
why don't you just do another episode with him? Because it was starting to get really interesting. <laughs> and I was like, I'll have him back. I'll have him back. Uh, but yes, at Jared Logan is your Twitter handle. Also on Facebook, jaredlogan.com and is can I mention, the website. Please. I have a album. It just came out from a special thing records, My yes. Brave Battle. Guys, get, that. get it. It's real good. I'm really proud of it. And genuinely smart, funny, sweet, awesome, good comedy. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, folks. Rangers, take care of each other out there. Bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we, you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?